Welcome back to Hope Wednesdays. I am Alisa Flakes and I am your facilitator. This is a platform for psychoeducation where we integrate psychology and theology. And y'all, I'm so happy about that. I have been a clinician in the secular environment for almost two decades. And it's been very difficult for me to integrate our theology. And that's just been so challenging for me because if we leave God out of anything, then we're experimenting. But I'm so excited about Hope Wednesday. I'm so excited that um, I get to come here and I get to bring facts and I get to bring information to help begin the conversation on how to change our lives and how to have better mental health, better life, and just to embrace the life that God died for us to have. I know that's cliche. I keep saying it each week, but I want that to become a part of your psyche. There is a life that we are designed to have so much so that God came all the way from heaven and died for it. So it's time for us to redeem. I mean, we don't want his death to be in vain. We just don't want to have the privilege of because he died, one day we'll go to heaven or, and because he died, we go to church and we socialize. No, there's this whole life that we're supposed to have, but the enemy wants to keep us ignorant. The Bible lets us know that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So this is just a little platform. Again, it's not counseling and it's not um, nutritional um, health. It is information. I've gathered information from doctors and studies, and I am educating you on what I've learned. And do your research by all means. There's so much research out there. Like you can begin to search it out yourself. We're starting the conversation, but I expect that everyone becomes a scientist. Everyone, it's your life. You need to become curious about how to secure the best life that you can. So often we leave the responsibility up to others to give us information all information, and to be responsible for our well-being. While we are responsible as a body to give information to one another, we are the first responders and we are the caretakers of this temple. Remember, this is temple care. And so we want to know how to take care of this body that God gave us. And who else to ask about how to take care of this body than the creator of the body, the manufacturer of the body, of the world, of everything. God himself, he is welcomed on this platform. He may not be welcomed in the White House. He may not be welcomed in your house, but he is welcomed on to Hope Wednesday. So let's welcome him in. We're going to pray. Prayer welcomes him in. It allows him to give us the help and the strength that we need to get this information out because God is a gentleman. He wants to be invited it in. He's not going to force his way. He's not a brute, but he wants to be chosen. And we have chosen, we have chosen for the Lord to have his way on this platform. This is his platform. He can step in at any time and he can teach us and he can guide us. And he is so welcomed here and you're so welcomed here too. So let's go before the Lord in prayer. 
Dear Lord, we really thank you for another opportunity to be here on Hope Wednesday. Lord, we thank you for how you are giving us your word to help us to see. We thank you that your word, it allows us to have light and wisdom in life. We thank you, oh God, because you have given us, Lord God, all things that pertain to life and godliness and things that will cause us to be successful and triumphant. It's just that we have to search and we have to be wise in this season, oh God, and we thank you, oh God, that the and treasures of your word are being integrated in our psychology and our mental health and in our emotions. And we are able to be the people that you died for us to be. We thank you for this lesson. I ask that you would just have your way. We invite you to speak to our hearts and our minds. We invite you to use me, Lord God. I invite you to use me, oh God, use my mind, use my tongue, use my, my intellect, oh God, to convey what it is we know to need to know to be successful. Bless us here today. Day. May the seeds of your word fall on the, our heart in a good place and that we would hide it in our hearts that we might not sin against you and that we might share this word in Jesus name. Amen. Alrighty. So you know what that means you all. It's time to get started. We want to share, you know, people share a, a lot of things nowadays. They share a lot of information, but this is a good seed. So not only do you want to take this seed for yourself, but it's okay to, to spread a little seeds, to like, and to share and to help someone out because health and temple care is our responsibility and temple care is failing. Mental health is failing. Physical health is failing. Relationships are failing. Everything is failing. So it behooves us. We have the answers. We have the God of the whole universe. We have the secrets of men, you know, just like in the Bible days when they, they came to Daniel and the Hebrew boys, because they had the answers. Y'all, we have the answers. So we need to get proud about it. And when someone else secularly has an answer, I bet we can check that string and it goes back to the word of God. It just has been plagiarized or maybe mis, um, you know, kind of changed the wording, but all truth, all healing truth comes from God. And so I'm excited about that. So we get to share that. that let's share that this morning. Thank you for your investment, listening to this, this, um, I don't know, a podcast and this training session or this cycle education session, it is an investment in your health. Because if you're not healthy, if you're not mentally healthy, I don't care how much money you have, it's not going to benefit you. Ask Robert Williams. You know, he was so funny. He was a genie. He was so funny for years. He was Mark and Mindy. He had what we thought was everything financially, and he made us all laugh, but he suffered depression and eventually took his life. So mental health and temple care is at the core of our um, being and our importance, and, and sometimes we skip over it. We're so we're so comfortable just fixing the outer that we don't do the inner work, but we're going in today. You all here at hope Wednesday, we go to the core of the matter. We peel back the onion and we get to the core and we call a thing, a thing and we bring healing, which is God's word so that we can move forward. Alrighty. So my soapbox, let me come down a little bit so that we can get some work done here. Um, we're talking about temple care and more specifically, we're talking about sugar addiction. All right. Don't leave yet. Don't, 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 don't leave us. Don't leave us. Stay with us. This will help you. This will help you. And this will help you help your children. This will help you help your children's children. And this will help you to help the people you love. Now I understand it's a scary topic because we all love sugar. Sugar is a stem. 
stimulant. It is a drug. Primitively speaking, we are, our taste buds are uh, designed to be drawn to sweet things, sweet apples, sweet, sweet things, even breast milk. It's sweet, you all. So there isn't, this is not a campaign to destroy all sweets. It's to look at how we have abused sugar because Miles Monroe says, Dr. Miles Monroe says what you all, if we don't know the purpose of a thing, we are going to abuse it. Abuse is inevitable. So we want to know the purpose of it. And we want to know how we as men with our evil imagination and our perverted hands have taken something and just misused it, abused it. And now we're in a terrible situation. We're in a, a, um, it's catastrophe of a situation with our health. You know, it says that 70% of, of all adults are overweight. 40% of kids are overweight. One in four teens are pre-diabetic and it has to do with our temple care. And more specifically today, we're going to be talking about the sugars and the unhealthy carb, which is the sugar and the artificial sugar. So we're going to hit that. And I know that the brain is so protective, you all. That's why it has denial. That's why it projects. And that's why it comes up with all this rationale because the brain wants to, to protect you from distress. That's why so many people are still in their addiction because their brain is working hard to make excuses. Their brain is making, uh, working really hard to blame their childhood, to blame people for why they are who they are. The brain is a crafty piece of work, you all, and it will protect it will protect the things that we have found to be of interest, just like the drug addict. It protects the drug addict from um, the drug use. It protects it. It gives excuses and it minimizes the, 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 the impact on the drug use on the drug user. So the brain is crafty. So we want to be aware of our brain. We want our brain to begin to work for us and we want our brain to protect us from negative things. And we want our brain to just turn on and start protecting us in a positive light. So yeah, so your brain is going to protect you. It's going to say, well, you know, you, there's, it's impossible not to have sugar and my addiction is not that bad. And all of those things are self sabotage. It's the brain's way of defending itself and its behavior to keep you stuck and to stop you from growing. But honestly speaking, in this Western diet, we all are victims of sugar addiction and sugar is a stimulant. It is a literal drug. I'm going to break it down to you to let you know, and some of you don't care, you know, that it's a drug, but it is a literal drug and it can easily become out of control and control you. And so our objective is to get some control over sugar. No, it's not to banish it. It's to banish artificial sugars, but sugar itself, natural sugar. It's not to abolish it, but it's to understand how to have dominion over what God has given us dominion over. So many times we have let sugar, the cane have dominion over us. We've let grapes with wine have dominion over us. We've let the marijuana leaf have control over us. We have let so many things have dominion over us that that is misused. We have to become in control. And guess what? It takes your prefrontal cortex to be in control. But when you are in your addictive state and you're just consuming all that sugar and doing whatever you want, you are in your child, you are in your amygdala, you are all in your feelings and you are doing what you want to do with, with the absence of your prefrontal cortex. 
Paul said this, and I'm going to change it. I'm going to tweak it for all intent and purposes today. He said, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I spoke as a child and I understood as a child. So we can say when I was a child, I ate sugar as a child. Point blank. You know, when you're young, you just can't get enough. So any addiction, whether it's drugs, sex, food, pornography, shopping, when you're in your addictive state, that's when you're, when I was a child, because that is all your feelings. It's not prefrontal cortex, reasoning, logic, your parent being in control and discipline. So it's going to take us to grow some and to breathe. Let's breathe together, y'all. Okay, that was a real breath because this is all of our addiction, whether it is sugar, white flour, you know, whatever it is, in any of those bad carbs, we become addicted because it breaks down in the body as sugar. So I gave you the statistics. It is a stimulant. So our body depends on it for energy and also for mood. It gets in our brain and it, it triggers our reward center and it, with the release of dopamine. And so dopamine is the same area of the brain when you're addicted to cocaine, when you're addicted to heroin, when you're addicted to drugs. It is that same Christmas light up that happens when you get your sugar fix or when you're planning your sugar fix, it light, lights, lights up that part of your brain and it releases a pleasure, a happy feeling, your personal utopic. And what makes it so dangerous is that we don't judge each other. Now, if we had family members who were, who did drugs right in front of us, who snorted cocaine in front of us, who shot up in front of us, we'd be like, whoa, that's a problem. Whoa, that's dangerous. Whoa, you're um, supposed to to be um, a light in this world. You're supposed to be a Christian. But because we have normalized sugar abuse, many of us are not being healed or being confronted or being accountable because we just assume in the Western world, it's normal. There's a snicker bar everywhere. The gas station, the, the department stores, there's chocolate everywhere. There's um, high fructose corn syrup everywhere. And we're going to talk about that. And so we have normalized this addiction, not realizing that much of what we suffer with in our bodies is a catalyst from our sugar addiction, even down to the current situation that our whole world is in. The people who are impacted the most, the most. Now I'm, I'm not saying everyone, but the majority of the people that are being hit the hardest because of the, the situation that we're in as a world are people who are obese, people who are not well, people who are overweight or people who have heart conditions, which can be preventable through food. So that's the big deal. If we campaigned for healthier diets, like we are campaigning for this day and age, all the mandates that are going out. What if there was a mandate that we would stop the high fructose corn syrup and that we would, um, mandate that you didn't give your children certain types of sugars because it was destroying their brain. We would be a better society. We wouldn't be in such a financial deficit because trillions of dollars go to health, trillions of dollars go to mental health. And so if we would just attack, if we would grab the bull by the horn and really deal with it, then we would be able to be a richer, healthier society. But no, that's not the agenda. So, but for those of you, you get to make that your personal agenda. How do you want your family to live? How do you want your legacy? What do you want your legacy to look like? Do you want to spend the majority of your life praying for people who are sick and asking God for a miracle when we can have maintenance? We need to prefer maintenance over miracle. Hashtag 
maintenance over miracle. We are so used to living any kind of way, taking care of our temple any kind of way, and then expecting God and praying, bombarding heaven for diseases that we ourselves could prevent. Let's save miracles for miracles. Let's do our work and let's let God do his work. Some of the things that we're asking God to do, we could have done. We have so many people in the grave, so many people. And it breaks my heart that that died from preventable illnesses because they had a food addiction. They had a sugar addiction or they made their bellies God. There's a scripture in Philippians 3:19 who said that says whose end is destruction whose god is their belly we talked about i'm going to tip back to last week's lesson we talk about how food is such a big central part of our lives and how we have the three eating disorders we have anorexia we have bulimia and then we have binge eating and obesity and at the end of it, if you're spending most of your time concentrating on eating, you're not concentrating on God. You're not living. Food in your belly becomes your God. And this is the conversation we have to be honest with. Why are we making our belly and food our God? Food is good. We need it. But when it is not used in the way that it's supposed to be used, then it becomes our God. Some of us have made our bellies our God. Even if you work out, even if you're a bodybuilder, they have some of the worst eating habits because they're trying, they're so focused on their bodies. They're so focused on, you know, building their temple to a pristine level that it becomes excessive. So here we are as human beings, we're always living in the feast or famine. The Holy Spirit of God, the wind of God helps us to live in balance. It helps us. The fruit of the spirit is temperance. It helps us to live in balance in the middle. But when you have an anorexic, they're living on the side of, um, I hate food. Food is bad. I get to chisel my body. I get to control my body, which now their belly is God and food, you know, their belly is God. And they want to be, it's more important for them to please themselves than to please God at any means necessary. And then you have the bulimic who um, battles with the pur- the the binging and the purging where they are double-minded in all of their ways. On one hand, they just want to eat, 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 eat. And then they feel the guilt, so they purge and they're stuck in the vicious cycle of food, their, their belly being God. And then they want to denounce the God by purging and throwing up. But in this vicious cycle, it is still the God being the God of their, the belly being God. So we don't want that we want. And then there is obesity and just binge eating where clearly the, the belly is God, where food is God. And God never meant for anything to take his place. He never meant for us to um, depend on anything emotionally to take his place. Because if we're eating emotionally, because sugar is a reward chemical, and that is our comfort food. And when we go to that, we have replaced God or for the saints and for people who go to church, saints means the people who go to church. For those of you who aren't into the church language, you know, the church, um, you know, words there I'll give you. It's for people who go to church. It's more of idolatry and it's more of God and like I can have God and I can have, you know, my sugar addiction 
or my um, make my belly my God. I have God and food as the things that help me get through life, as the thing that gives me joy and pleasure, as the things that help me cope with stress. And we have to really look at that because that's that's really dangerous. And we know that sugar is really dangerous because they did an experiment with rats. You know, they, they checked these things out and they found out that rats would, they, they run to sugar like they prefer sugar over cocaine. So it is so, it does so much to our brains. And it, cause like I said, primitively, we were designed to enjoy sweet things. That's why the breast milk is sweet. So we have a proclivity to desire sweet things, but when it's distorted, then it becomes abuse and it changes the biological structures of our brain and we crave it. It sets up its own craving and then we want more and more. The more you eat, the more you want. And then if you're not having it or if you're having a bad day, and you know your brain has a memory and what fires together wires together so if you're feeling sad your brain will help you out and say hey why don't you get a piece of chocolate cake why don't you get some cookies why don't you get some um french fries why don't you get something because uh that breaks down to sugar as well and so your brain is giving you all these ideas to escape instead of dealing with what's wrong do you need to pray are you hungry for a spiritual connection do you need to call someone and get support do you need to spend time and look at what's bothering you and process some feelings or do you just want to uh be triggered by the emotion and then act and get that sugar fixed. And like I said, it's all around us. Holidays, we overeat and we give ourselves permission. And I'm not saying that we can't have any, but we have to be aware of what, why we do what we do. What is our motive and what is our intent? And are we replacing God's word? Is God's word not satisfying us or do we need God's word and sugar and the stimulant? And if we're doing that, we're only masking deeper issues and we'll, and we'll get to that. But I did want to talk about the rats and how they respond. And it's eight times, sugar is eight times more addictive than cocaine. And we like to look at people on drugs and say, oh, you need willpower. But most of Americans are even the people who attend church and say they have a faith in God are walking around here with a heavy sugar addiction. It is estimated that I don't know if I said this already, but it's worth saying again, 150 pounds of sugar is what we use a year, which equals out to 22 teaspoons a day. Now, back in earlier times when people ate with more natural substances, honey or whatever, it was estimated in one report that that is how much 22 teaspoons a day is what we have versus in time past, that's how much they would have a year. But now we are consuming 150 pounds of sugar a year. And we wonder why we have diabetes, obesity, and uh, mental fog, and all of these issues, acne, you name it. And it is attributed to our, our consumption of sugar. So we have to be aware so that we can change our behavior. We have to be aware that we're addicted. We have to not minimize it, but really come to terms with, I'm addicted to this stimulant. And then begin to ask yourself, what does this stimulant do for me? What, what does this stimulant do for me? And is there something in God's word that I could use to help me? Because that's what, that's our, that has to be our first 
go-to? And is there something else I can do? Is there a nutritional deficiency? Do I need to get B6 or B12 complex? Do I need to exercise? But we don't want to make anything our God. We don't want to make our bellies God. We don't want to make exercise God. We don't want to make other people God. We don't want to make our body image God. We don't want to make any of those things. We want God to be God. But the awareness comes with asking, what is the sugar doing for me? What is it doing for me? And being honest and understanding that you're personally responsible and you just can't say, God bless it in Jesus name, take all the calories out, take all the sugar out, take all the poison out because you have to be aware. You have to be aware of what's in there and why you do. And the more sugar you eat, what happens is, is that you become desensitized in your taste buds. And so you just require more and more. You're not even aware of how sweet it is or anything. You become desensitized and you crave more. It's not until you stop and cut back that then you can recreate a healthy taste bud. So you're able to identify this is way, 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 way too sweet. And so then you can balance it back. And, and, and I think like what we're talking about is beginning to look at sugar from the lens of addiction. And until we do that, there will be no change. Until the overweight um, believer, pastor, um, songstress, whoever we are, Sunday school teacher, just witness for Christ, until we look at sugar as an addiction, we'll never get hurt. We'll never get help, I should say. We'll always minimize and we'll always say it's not that bad. Or we'll also, we'll always feel like it's a private matter not to involve God. But every area of our life has to be under the governance of God. The Bible says what you eat or drink do to the glory of God. Now, for so many years, especially in the African-American community, we have not put any mandates on the governance of food and letting God govern our intake because we want that. We, we're supposed to not drink, smoke, whatever, lie still, but we have this one little area where we get to splurge and we don't want anyone to tell us what to do with this because this is where we get our sinfulness out. This is where the area of our life where we get to be gluttonous, where we get to consume, where we don't, anyone, no one could tell us. It's a no holds bar. And so we have suffered and we have let people sit in our church and, and sit among us in our families and just become radically ob ob obese. And we feel like it's none of our business and we just are just silent and it's giving them consent. And then when they're in the hospital, we're just so upset. And when they pass away, we're raising money for funerals or we're raising their children. When we could intervene and it starts accountability, our pastor is, um, moving us in the direction of accountability. We have to be accountable and we have to look at this behavior and say, why, why don't we look at sugar from the lens of addiction? Why do we give people permission to abuse their body with sugar? Why in food? Why is that permissive? Why is it permissive to be obese? It's not, but we have given people permission and we're so understanding, but now we are coming and we're offering solutions in love. We're not shaming and blaming, but just like any other addiction, it takes support and it takes information and it takes moving people from their feelings and their emotions into their spirit mind and their prefrontal cortex where they can think and they can be transformed by the renewing of their mind and begin to look at, I am living my life to eat. 
or not eat if you are have an eating disorder. And that's not what God designed for us, how God designed for us to live. But we are admonished to train our palate. And very early on, if you don't train your palate, train your palate. The Bible says train up a child in the way they should go. That basically means train their palate, show them what's right and wrong. Somewhere along the line, we've excluded food. We, we, we've done a disservice. We want them to graduate from high school. We want them to go to church. We want them to be a professional, but we don't want them to be healthy. And we think that if you look healthy, you're healthy. We don't, we're not concerned with if people are really healthy or not. If they have headaches, if you have stomach uh, challenges all the time, you're not maximum, you're not living your maximum healthy life. And I'm guilty. I just bought food. I didn't understand the network of food. I didn't understand that it was my responsibility as a parent to teach my children how to eat and live. I am course correcting now. And <laughs> not that anyone's listening, but I have been for maybe, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe the last 20 years, I began to try to look at organic foods and kind of cut back and, you know, try to do things a little differently. And I'm still learning because it's a journey. And it's also difficult because we're going against the flow of society where society is saying, just eat Jack in a box, eat this, eat cookies, cakes, just do whatever, eat as thy will. And then there's no accountability to generational health because then in your genes, epigenetics, you're changing the eating patterns and you're changing the health of your children by the things that you eat. And then we we're upset and we think, why are these illnesses befalling us when we have a preventable role to play in our temple care. So when we look at it as from the lens of addiction, look at it from the lens of addiction, because you know, if you have the craving, anything that you crave and you can't do without, it's an addiction. So if you can't do without, it's hard, y'all it's hard. And I'm going to try the first of the year after the first of the year, you know, everyone does a, a holiday, um, you know, Daniel's fast or whatever. That's what I'm really going to pray for the, the great reset. And I'm still trying now, but I want to get more Lord willing, Lord say the same. If I make it, we all make it there. Cause this is the day we live in. You got to go day by day. I'm leading up. I'm prepping myself now to kind of curtail the sugar intake so that I can just really do a major reset and you'll have more information about that hopefully. And maybe you can join us, but until we look at addiction from a, um, sugar, addiction from the lens of addiction, then we'll make excuses for it. And we'll never reset our receptors in our brain. And we'll continue to socially be addicted. We'll continue to support each other in the addiction. And um, so it, and it's about it's not all or nothing, because some people are so severe, you think I'm thinking, oh, you can never have it. Natural cane sugar, honey. Yes, you can have it. And you can have it in a proportion that is healthy. It's called temperance. So it's not all or nothing. Because if you totally stop, then you'll ricochet and you'll eat too much of it. What I'm talking about with the re sugar reset and the, the fast is gaining control over it, gaining mastery over food so that my belly is not God. So my appetite is not God. So my, uh, dopamine, my reward center is not God. I need to let God be God. And so it's just kind of restructuring that after many, 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 many years of not having control. The funny thing is I was talking to my mother on Monday and she said, and she's really small y'all. And she's always been small with seven children. Once she was in a car accident and I had to take pictures of her. Don't tell her this, you guys. 
and um, she had some bruising, so she had to lift up her shirt. And I was offended. I was like, how does my mom look cuter than me? And she's, at this point, 60-some-odd years old, and she's just, like, in sh- like looking good. And, and, like, she didn't have not one baby. I said, my mom's fine, okay? And um, But she shared on Monday, she said, I never really, um, I, I'm glad as a child I never liked sweets. So that's never been her issue. And so she eats really healthy. But she she gave us healthy food, but I would eat outside. I had an aunt who just gave us sugar. She just, she was obese. And it, eventually she, I believe she died prematurely because of her diet and health and stress. And my cousin was overweight. He had asthma and I couldn't go outside and play. I'd always have to stay in the house with him. So what they gave me to stay in the house with him, this is how I developed my skewed eating disorder because my mom did not buy a lot of junk. I had to do the work and I, I admonish you all to do like to do the work. Where did my bad eating habits start and what caused it? So for me, it was, I had this asthmatic overweight cousin who would literally, no offense, I love him to pieces. I'm not going to say his name, but those of you who are in my family know, he would open the refrigerator and he would drink juice out of the jug. He would drink pickle juice. He would eat everything. So I had to stay in the house with this overeater whom I love very much. You know, our names are synonymous in childhood. If you say his name, you can say my name too. But I gained such unhealthy eating um, habits because she would give us the Vandekamp chocolate chip cookies. She would make cakes and she was always sufficing us with food and sufficing him because he couldn't play outside with food. And so food became, that's how I got my addiction and and my um, imbalance of eating. And then my children, and then my children, I kind of just let them go for it because I didn't get it as it with my mother. So, you know, poverty, not having a lot of money, I was not watchful. And so that's how I apologize to everybody in the Flakes clan, my big six and my two nieces. I'm sorry, y'all, but I'm trying to turn it around. We're turning it around together because we want to be accountable. So we're training our palates, looking at where our addiction started and then dealing with making the choice because we have to make the choice to change, to be temperate and to be balanced. Now, I heard some very important information about our diet and how it's going to be a fight. Not only does the enemy want to keep you um, in an addicted state and the enemy wants to keep you unhealthy with high blood pressure, sugar, diabetes, and um, not as functional and healthy because then you're not a testimony because the world is looking and saying, well, how is this person supposed to be talking about how God, how good God is? And clearly they have a dysfunction with their eating and they're not being a good steward over their body. So the enemy is working against us, our appetite and our damnic nature is working against us. And then there is society that's working against us. I heard about the danger this week of high fructose corn syrup. Please put that in our notes. No high fructose corn syrup. It is poison to the body and it is what is in everything. And it is what that is really getting us addicted to sweets and sugar. It is two times sweeter than sugar. And the reason how it came about, I was listening to the story about high fructose corn syrup. It's poison. Our government subsidized farmers to make corn and they had so much corn that they be, and then someone, I think it was someone from uh, Japan found out that you can change the molecular, molecular structure of it and that it would be sweet. The corn would be sweet and then you could use it as a preservative. So here you have 
a, a gold mine, a financial gold mine, because the sweet lures you in and the preservative allows you to make a lot of it and keep it on the shelf. So now you can use this for shelf life or grocery stores. And also it is addictive. And so the, the government came along with our tax dollars and began to pay people to continue to make corn. And they grandfathered people in and paid people, even if you didn't make corn and you just said you made corn at one time or you're making corn, you get money to make this. They don't subsidize people who make vegetables and fruit. They subsidize for corn, grain, and soy. And so with corn, they are using it as high fructose corn syrup. It sounds like it's healthy, but it is not. And the, and now because people are more aware of it, they're changing the name sometimes to just a fructose or, you know, a artificial sweetener. But be aware if it doesn't say organic cane sugar or if it doesn't say uh, honey you need to be very careful and to, to stay away from it because what this does is, like I said, it's two, it's two times sweeter than sugar, but the body cannot metabolize it. So it goes right to the liver and it causes fatty liver. And sometimes people are, are passing away from cirrhosis and different liver issues. And we're thinking, why? They don't drink. Well, it's because of the American Western diet because high fructose corn syrup is in like the fast food, frozen food, ketchup, yogurt. It's in everything, cookies, like some chips, because it preserves the life shelf of it. They can put it on the shelf and mass reproduce it. And it's addicting because it makes you, it's the reward chemicals that are released. It makes you want more. It has zero nutritional value. So you can eat a whole pack of Oreos and feel like I didn't eat anything and just get tired of the taste. And then people will look at you and say, you're obese. No, you are being conditioned to overeat, to continue to eat the things. The high fructose corn syrup is highly addictive. It's cheaper to make, but it makes you crave more and more. And like I stated, your body cannot digest it. It doesn't turn into energy. It turns into fat and it, and it just sits on your waistline. It, it triglycerides and fat cells. They just kind of form and you find yourself getting bigger. And as you're getting larger, it's shrinking your brain. It's contributing to ADHD. They have paperwork that is conclusive. It's contributing to impulsivity. It's contributing to mood disorders. So you're wondering why your child is not able to sit still or has erratic behavior. And yes, we used to just say it was red dye 40. Don't give them licorice and red dyes or whatever, but it is the high fructose corn syrup. It is spazzing the brain out and just causing so much damage and so much distortion in the brain. And you're wondering why you're dealing with anxiety. Yes, there's a lot of stress in the world, but our diets play a big part in the anxiety that we're dealing with. So again, it doesn't metabolize. It goes straight to the liver and it turns the fat cells and it doesn't send signals to the body that you're full, right? So you can't get, you can just eat it and eat it. And there is, there isn't anything that would give you information to tell you that you're full. So, and, and then you go to the doctor and they say, just exercise, but I don't care how much you exercise. If your diet is full, according to research, if your diet is full of high fructose corn syrup, if your temple is full of high fructose corn syrup, you could run until the cows come, come home. You could run forest run and you are not getting the weight off because it stores fat. 
it stores fat. So it's it's very dangerous and our government knows it, but it kind of still allows it. And um, one of the Olas, that's what in the research I was listening to, one of the stories, they call it the Ola Company. I don't want to say the name because I don't want to get uh, Facebook ha- uh, shut down. But Ola Companies, you know, you drink it and it's Ola Ola, Ola, you know, well, they were able to, they, they are uh, responsible for the, you know, the promotion of the high fructose corn syrup. Every soda has it. I'm, I'm almost sure every soda has high fructose corn syrup. So the more soda you're taking back, you're taking back that poison. And so this particular soda company has made a deal with Mexico and they're finding out in Mexico that people are drinking more um, of the Olas and they are, they're seeing more cases of diabetes and more obesity. And of all the things, this Ola company was able to, to make a contract with China and no one makes contracts with China, but they were able to collaborate. And so they're seeing some of the health trends as well with, you know, the, the influx of, of health issues due to, of the high fructose corn syrup. So mark that no high fructose corn syrup. Mark that it's in everything. If you eat fast food, it's in there. If you eat frozen food, it's in there. It's in the ketchup. It's in the yogurt. It's in every ingredient, the barbecue sauce, the teriyaki sauce, probably it's in everything because not only is it a sweetener, but it's a preservative. So that's why it's in everything. So you're asking yourself now, you know, or not, maybe you've turned me off and tuned me out. Uh, what can I do and how can I begin to reset? We talked about the, um, the, sh- the going on the sugar fast the first of the year or just cutting back now. And it immediately eliminated the high fructose corn syrup and making it, um, making the regular sugar products a treat for your children and a treat for yourself in moderation, practicing moderation. Moderation glorifies God because if you abstain, that's not moderation. Moderation says I can enjoy what God made, but I have enough temperance and control to put it down. You are most like God when you are operating in moderation, self-control, because you are operating in dominance. When you're operating in addiction, you are, you are not operating in your your first Adamic state, which was power and dominion. He gave us dominion over everything. And now in our fallen state, when we're not walking in the spirit, everything has dominion over us, our feelings, food, you name it. Everything has dominion over us. And it does not please the father for things to have dominion over us. He made us in his image so that we might have dominion. So the first step is deciding to take dominion and, you know, maybe partnering up with someone because we're stronger together. You know, the, just like the community in the world, the food chains and they put all the foods together so that you, if you don't get Popeye's, you're going to get Subway. If you don't get Subway, you're going to get this other food. They partner together to make their fast food 
consumption more likely. So if you don't get Popeye's today, you'll get it tomorrow. But they, they hub together as a community. So I'm asking us to hub together as a community, as a Christian community, even as a family. We can do more as a family instead of sabotaging each other and saying, oh, you're just trying to eat like that because you're trying to be skinny. No, I'm just trying to be healthy. I'm just trying to honor this vessel. And, and, and it's not about being a police cop and, you know, accusing people who do have sugar every now and then because it is a process to learn how to balance. But it is accountability and it is coming together and deciding um, what to do. Because when someone in your family gets sick, then and you're eating all of those poisons in front of them, are you causing your brother to stumble? The Bible says, if meat offends my brother, I won't eat it. So if you have, if you're constantly with people who are overweight, who are abusive, and you're constantly having all these foods in their sight, these cakes, these pies, all of these things, and you're saying, oh, well, um, that's on them. They have to learn. But the Bible does say, if, if meat offends my brother, I won't eat it. What about if sugar, all of these, this junk food offends my brother, I won't, I won't eat it, or I won't bring it out, or I won't be excessive, or I'll, I'll encourage them to eat in moderation. And yes, everyone is an an adult, but we are our brother's keeper. Part of the story about Ezekiel and the dry bones, my husband preached last night, um, is that when, when the wind blew and the word, the word came and the wind blew and they came together as an army, they came together as an army. So if we come together, if each bone gets with its bone and we are fitly joined together, we'll be a, a army and then we can combat these, the sugar war and all of these other unhealthy wars, the sin war, the pornography war, but we are asking people to fight alone, but we need to collaborate and come together as a family. And we need more shows like this. We need more people to support, you know, I'm cutting back or, you know, I'm modeling. How about modeling? Not just I'm trying to make myself look good, but I'm modeling for my children. I'm modeling for my obese family member. I'm modeling for just the world, the church. I'm modeling, I'm bringing glory to God because I'm using food in a way that honors God. Boy, that's a lot. And and just like anything, we are striving. So I'm not saying you're just going to be wada perfect, but if you are aware and if you're trying to cut back, then that means that you are concerned about the community and concerned about others, more concerned than our government. It's not their responsibility. They are going to continue to legalize foods that hurt us. They're continuing to subsidize um, high fructose corn source syrup that is literally killing us and they know it. They know it. And it's literally killing people. And more specifically, it's killing African-Americans. And if we want to talk about Black Lives Matter and we want to talk about all these different things and we don't care enough to begin to look at what's on our plate and how we have made our bellies God, then shame on us. I know that um, I may not get a lot of likes and this message may not go out, but to whoever is listening, this is a plea. Shame on us as believers to sit by and just allow ourselves to be addicted to poison, to give it to our children and then go out and say, I want to be responsible and I want to be protective. I want to do this. I want to take this and I want to give, take this free thing the government is offering me because of this pandemic, but you won't modify your diet. You won't be cautious of what you're putting in your mouth. Instead of we're so focused on what we're putting in our arm, 
How about if we focus on what we're putting in our mouths? And you can do both. You can focus on what you're putting in your arms and in your mouth. But at the end of the day, it's our responsibility. There, there is a war that's been raged, waged against us and our physical health. Our temples are under attack. Everything that God has given us as a gift, the enemy wants to reduce it, minimize it, and destroy it. We are under attack. And the newest attack is food. And more specifically, yeah, fats. Yeah, you know, different type of carbs, like the white potatoes fried. But more specifically, the biggest enemy right now is the high fructose corn syrup and the sugar addiction. Hands down, the inflammation it causes, the autoimmune problems that you'll have, all of those things are preventable through diet and cutting back. If we could just make a commitment to cut back, and to begin to detox. And, and what can I do? Somebody wants to know, what can I do? Well, this is what you can do. First, repent. Repent means to change your mind. It's not to cry and say, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You may cry and say sorry. But what has to happen is in your mind, you have to confess that I have not been using food, more specifically sugar, in the way that God designed it. I have abused it. I have perverted food. I myself have perverted it. I have perverted it. And I now confess, I agree that God made food for a reason. I'm going to read and I'm going to find out in his word what he made food for, what foods he even recommended. You know, I read last week herbs and there are certain meats even that it says that he also gave that too. And I think when you're going vegan, the, the, um, what I think to remember is like with, because they did eat fish, Jesus ate fish and they did eat some meats. But the issue now with our meat is that if they're feeding the animals corn syrup, high fructose corn syrup and polluted foods, then, and how they're killing them, these animals are sick. So we're eating sick animals. So if you can find organic and if you can find a healthier version, that's always going to be your best best bet, but it's finding out what God made food for nutrition. Yes. Sometimes for celebration and for bonding, but it's not for entertainment. It's not for, um, emotional support. It's not your therapy. It's not your, your bonding partner. It's not a relationship. It wasn't meant to be a intimate relationship of bonding and feel good. You were supposed to do that with one another. We're supposed to be vulnerable enough to build relationships with, with the opposite sex and with the same sex as friends. It cannot, it was never meant to replace that bonding releases oxytocin, which is a healthy reward and it allows us to feel good. We have to check our feel good. So we have to replace, this is Dr. Axe. He gave us some solutions. He said, this is what you can do. You can start to reset by when you eat your food, reduce your carbs and really focus on fats, protein, and fibers. Because when your body is satisfied, it lacks the desire for sugar. And guess what, y'all? I found a scripture that supports that. It says, um, Proverbs 27 and 7, it says, the full soul loatheth in honeycomb. So when the soul is full, it loatheth the honeycomb. So that's just a little, little hint right there that when you're full, you don't even want as much sweets. 
But when you're just eating sweets, you have an insatiable hunger because there's no nutritional value and it's set up to make you hungry. But if you fill your diet with more fibers, more protein, and more fat, healthy fat, coconut oil, avocados, nuts, seeds, things like that, then it gives your body what it needs. It feeds your brain, just like the high fructose corn syrup shrinks your brain. Well, this feeds your brain, the the healthy fibers and the healthy uh, fats feed your brain. So you're either feeding your brain or starving your brain. And you wonder why you have foggy brain. You wonder why you have poor concentration and all of these problems, headaches. Um, It's attributed to that. And so then you can um, also get, like I said, the B vitamins. He recommended B vitamins. And the exercise that he recommended was more weightlifting and burst training while you're trying to detox from sugar, because if you're running and cardio, that makes you want carbs and more sugar. So if, if you're just trying, if you're just so addicted and you're just like, I just need a week or five days or 10 days, I need to reset. This is what you would do. You would do like weightlifting or burst squats, things like that. Because if you do too much running, then that's going to trigger a craving response and your body has, your brain has a memory. So you want to do that. And, um, it recommends, um, that you do stevia, but I'm, I'm, he said stevia, but I'm not too sure about that. Um, but I'm sure it's better than high fructose corn syrup, maybe in moderation while you're weaning yourself. But the point is to remember that addiction is childlike behavior. It is because it's, it's you being led by your feelings, not your rationale. Anytime you see any addiction, it means that you are being, uh, you're operating in your child state. And we want to have balance. We want to have balance. Like Proverbs 25, 16 says, if you find honey, eat just enough, too much of it, and you will vomit. Now, come on, come on. Is God not thorough? He covers everything. He tells us too much of of that, even the natural sugars is just not good. If you find honey, eat just enough, too much of it, and you will vomit. This is an excessive world. We live in an excessive world and we don't have to take part in it. We can be the people of balance. Balance is beautiful. It's hard, but once you find it, it is beautiful. And there's so many things we don't get to do because people don't know how to balance around us. So we just don't do it at all because in our society, it's so excessive. We want supersize me. We want Uh, just as much as we can take, because if you're not being satisfied with God, there's going to be an insatiable hunger. You're going to hunger and thirst continuously. You will never be filled outside of God. There is a vacuum in your heart that is, is placed only for God to fill. And you can continue to try to fill it with sugar. You can continue to start to fill it with food, but God has set something in our, our nature that only his word fills us. Only his will, his, like Jesus said, my meat is to do your will. There's satisfaction in a relationship with God. But if you are substituting that for sugar, if you're going for the sugar instead of God, you'll never know. I'll never know. I'm challenging me to be more mindful of Am I perverting sugar and food or am I using it for my temple in the way that God designed? It is time out to be a Christian, being a Christian in name only, but we're calling every behavior to the carpet. There needs to be integrity in our temple. Is there temple integrity? 
Is there temple integrity or do we continue to watch people waste away, watch people abuse their temple while they're teaching us and preaching to us and they have absolutely no control, no temperance. And even if like people say, well, there's a disorder, that's why they're getting big. It still boils down to what they're eating and what they're doing. It still boils down to it because if you're just only eating high fructose corn syrup, even if it's a little, that's still storing fat and that's still um, making your body sick and you won't be healthy and you won't be able to have good relationships because you won't be able to make good decisions and you'll be impulsive and you won't be your best self. Your diet and temple care allows you to present as your best self. I want to be my best self. I'm 51 years old. I'll say it. I'll say it for the people in the back. I'm 51. And it's never too late to course correct. It's never too late to decide that I want the life that God died for me to have. I want to live a life abundantly. I want to honor this temple. I don't want to be fooled. I don't want to be a goat. I don't want to be not a goat, a sheep for the system that they just feed me poison with my tax dollars and I just nod and I just go on and I teach another generation. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, the rich and the elite would never give their family members high fructose corn syrup. Never. Very few far between you find fat billionaires. I want you guys to do a search. Search for fat billionaires. Search for obese billionaires. Search for billionaires who are diabetic and high blood pressures and all these, maybe high blood pressure because of worry, but diabetes. Holly Berry had diabetes. She turned it around. She got her weight together. She's a poster child because it's preventable by diet. So go out and see where the obese people are. Most of them are in the house of God. Most of them are African-Americans who claim to know um, and church goers who claim to have a relationship with a God who meets all their needs, who satisfies them, who comforts them, who they're, they've given their lives to, who they're obedient to, but yet they are still serving the God of their bellies. We are all in under scrutiny of if we're serving the God of our belly and we're not consulting with God's plan for our temple through temple food. The temple needs care and care in the form of health food. I don't know if you guys have any questions or I don't know if you have any comments, but this has been really exciting. We're going to uh, play a few of these recordings. Then we're going to come back next week. Uh, we're going to do some reviews. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about sleep because I forgot something <clears throat> with obesity. If you're not getting at least eight hours of sleep, that increases your likelihood of weight gain. So we're going to talk about sleep and we're going to talk about exercise because it changes your brain. It helps with Alzheimer's. It just so much, so much. There's so much information out there and I want to share it with you all. I love you all. I want you all to be God's best. I want you to live the life that God died for you to have. Be blessed and walk in knowledge. God bless you. Thank you.